Welcome to the Innovation Sofa, your podcast on all things innovation, digital innovation, new business models, transformation and change. This is brought to you by the makers of the Innovation and Transformation Hub and feature corporate business leaders from across the world on all things innovation. Welcome to the Innovation Sofa podcast. Today we have on our virtual sofa Paolo Arancio, who is currently the Global Head of Strategic Innovation Partnership at Nestle Skin Health. Uh, his, his profile is really quite uh, exciting. Business transformation, open research, innovation, startup liaison, entrepreneur. Paolo, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me with you today. Oh, our pleasure. We start uh, most of these uh, this show by uh, finding out a little bit about our guests. So can you tell us a bit of background as to who you are? Mm-hmm. So as you said, I'm a strategist, I'm an entrepreneur and innovator. And I will say that I spent pretty much the past 20 years on creating nutrition and health solution. This solution, they are meant to bring value to people, to the business that I'm working for and for the society. And as you said, in order to fulfill this this mission, I've been working on transforming businesses. I've been leading different type of innovation activities and project or R&D platforms. I had the chance to work with very successful uh, uh, startups and uh, to perform some of the liaison. One of the one that I'm the most proud is basically the incubator accelerator that we have the chance to create internally in the organization when I was in Switzerland. But I would like also to highlight that for me, all this element and all the work that I do is never possible without a team. I will say that my work is about selecting and developing and leading to perform these teams that most of the time they are international, they are multi-competences, and they're also gender equal. Quite a job indeed. Um, obviously, given your background, we would absolutely love to know what is your definition of innovation? It's a very good point. There are many definitions of innovation out there. And when you're looking in, in Wikipedia, it tells you that there are even more than 40, right? Mm-hmm. I would just tell you what I think that is innovation. Innovation for me is the creation of value. And you create value when you offer a better solution that meet new requirements, unarticulated or existing needs. Just to avoid any misunderstanding, it does not necessarily require an invention. So innovation does not require necessarily an invention, but it always starts with challenging the existing assumptions and always translate in expanding the space of possibilities. Mm, That's very lovely, thank you. Um, now, you, you've been in the world of big corporates for, for a few years now. Um, I'm really, really keen to get your thoughts and views in terms of big opportunities going forward, in particular for large corporations. Mm-hmm. I think that in order to, to see the opportunities, we need to understand a little bit the current scenario. And I think that all of us knows that there is an exponential increase in, in the world population. We, all, we are all aware that there has been a massive exploitation of the natural resources and also that the existing technologies, they are not all the most environmental friendly. And so all these three elements that I just mentioned, they are impacting the quality of life, but also the existence of people. So if you truly want to um, ensure humanity a bright future, well, then maybe we should 
go back and re-challenge the existing assumption in all the possible areas, creating new possibilities. So what it means in terms of opportunities? It means that there are great opportunities in rethinking new sustainable material and energy sources. We should drive towards personalized solutions and deliver what we need in the right quantity at the moment of need. And last but not least, we should also focus on enhancing the integration of human and digital. So when we look at it from the perspective of large corporations, because of their size, their scope, and their capital availability, they have the capability of directing on enabling and accelerating this transformation, but only when they are working in synergies with emerging innovation platforms, with research institutions, and with private and governmental bodies. The growth and transformation in any sector, not only food, has moved from linear to exponential, and only through an effective and efficient cooperation of all the players that I mentioned before, we will be successful in our quest if we want to improve the quality of life of people. That's a, that's a really interesting view. So um, obviously, I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this will be in agreement with you. Um, and they probably know this to be sort of a, a requirement. I want to ask you, what's stopping large organizations being like you've just mentioned? What's stopping, you know, where is there a particular big bottleneck or barrier that if it were to be uh, broken down, uh, things would move a lot faster in this direction? I think that, that, that every organization has its own legacy. So you always need to understand where you're coming from, but even more, what is your identity? So as I mentioned, there has been a shift from a linear growth that it was enabling the, the big organization to work with an internal R&D, to develop over a certain period of time their solution, and then to enter the market with some winning products, right? Now, if you look at how the world is evolving, I mean, this transformation is very fast, it's exponential, and this is what requires also a change of the way how the companies are working internally and with the outside world. And that's why I, I highlighted previously the, the importance of cooperation. Now, in every, in every change, even when it's personal, there is a moment of, of adjustment, right? There is a need of a, of a mindset change. And this, for me, is a very important element. So an organization that it was built previously to work with internal resources, because before the people that were capable to create the information and the knowledge, they were the one with the advantage and was, was the really the, the, the holy ground. It was what we were keeping secret, right? Now information, they are out there, they are sort of a commodities. So what it was making, giving the competitive advantage before is today basically a commodity I can buy. What it makes the difference today is the way how you interpret and you put together this information and the decision you take. And this is the type of transformation that every company needs to do. The one that they are capable to do it in a more effective way, they are the fastest one, the one that they are successful today, and the other one that they really needed to put this in place. And it's taking time. Thank you so much for answering that question. That's really insightful, actually. Um, now, I want to take you um, further into um, more detail regarding the, the sort of merging of the analog and digital world. So every product and service out there, which currently exists and is sort of being developed and, and worked upon, will have an analog and a digital face to it. 
what do you foresee as the big challenges um, in terms of the products and services that have not yet been digitized? I think that we, we all realize what we're living in a very exciting period. Uh, from the point of view of digital, I think that digital technology has the potential to be the game changer in the quest of creating a better sustainable future. In fact, if when we think about the digital, uh, we should realize that thanks to digital, we are now able to first collect and manage an enormous amount of data. The second, we are capable to process this data at an unbelievable speed and at a level of complexity that will provide us understanding and even suggesting us direction that from the human point of view, we couldn't imagine before. And the last but not least, I think that we are now able to deliver solution that they can use atomic scale for macro benefits. So all this is unthinkable in terms of potential when, when we consider the challenges that uh, all this fast evolution of digital is, is bringing up. So we are thinking about the trust towards the organization or the supplier of this new solution of digital. The second point is about the protection of the individual privacy. And the third element is the risk that we have in this fast evolution to affect in an irreversible way some delicate and complex systems that they are, for example, the environment and the human body. So if on one side, the digital, it's opening space of opportunities that we couldn't reach before, at the same time, we need to be aware, as I said, of the trust that it's very important. Why are they providing this solution and what is given to me? The second one, we need to respect the privacy. Who is going to be the owner of the information that actually they describe or they create a sort of a digital alias of an individual? And the third one, as I said, we have a reach now that uh, it needs to be used at the best way because we should improve the situation of our environment and improve our health and not the way around. So uh, those are massive challenges. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, I guess you probably have some thoughts as to what are the potential solutions. And if I can tag on a, a question to that is when you think about solutions, um, I, I want to know, in your view, how long do you think it will take for the consumers and customers and employees to, to start benefiting from, from this sort of new world where you can have uh, atomic scale for macro benefits? I think that we are already benefiting from, from this new model uh, already today. If you think about the, the recently launched wearable, that they are capable to digitize our health status. What they do, they record our vitals, and through these vitals, they can actually call emergency when there is a significant deviation on what it is considered our healthy baseline. At the same time, we have a new possibility of digitize our creativity, our ideas, right? And we can just send this digital thought and this digital design on the other side of the world, and it can be printed in an analog version. Or last but not least, let's think about artificial intelligence and the space of possibility that it just opened in terms of guiding us and assisting us in, in different tasks, for example, how to assist or, or the rehabilitation of the elderly or, or of patients. But in all these cases, I think that the solution were obtained through a cooperation of the innovation platform with the research centers and authorities in different phases, in the phase of development, in the phase of test, and in the phase of approval. So this cooperation between these different entities is actually the way forward. 
So if we reconnect to the previous question, we were talking about the trust. How can I trust that the solution is something that is good for me? Well, if you have an innovation platform that works closely with a research center, that it works closely with an authority, then you can trust that that solution will, first of all, not harm you. The second point is, is it going to be good for me? Is it going to improve the quality of my life? And it comes back again to what we are saying. So it's really this cooperation, the real heart of the successful way forward. Makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting that you've mentioned there that cooperation at the early early stage. So I, I have a, a pretty big question for you next, um, and it centers around scale. One of the big challenges we hear from um, corporate innovators like yourself is basically achieving scale. So it seems that everyone can, and most of the people are successfully uh, delivering MVPs, so minimum viable products. Um, however, when we look at the projects that have been scaled and sort of delivering the big ROIs, the picture is not so good. What are the challenges and what are the solutions to this? Where, where do you stand on this main, you know, kind of pretty big issue? Mm -hmm. I think it's a very good question. And, and I think that to answer this question, I would like just to say that uh, there are two types of innovation. There is an innovation of solution and there is an innovation of meaning. In the past world of the linear growth, it was possible to focus on the innovation of solutions. That means that it was possible to launch a few products with the best attributes that they were solving our problems. And these products were becoming the undiscussed market leaders for several years. This was the past. In the current time, when we have an exponential transformation with plenty of options that they are available almost for everybody, we must have a clear vision and values, and we should be able as an organization to transfer them systematically in everything we do. If the consumer are able to recognize our vision in all our offer, and they can associate themselves with it, well, then we have created a successful identity. And our products will be systematically the consumer choice. Then they are becoming the top seller. So all the type of innovation, or, because what I described to you is the innovation of meaning. So all the innovation that they do not start with that, and they do not put successfully the meaning at their heart, then will not be able to deliver the return of the investment that you have been referring to. So to conclude, I think that companies should be judged on the, how successful they transform their vision into an holistic reality in terms of overall solution and services, more than just looking at the commercial success of one or each of the individual products. Wow, I wasn't expecting that, I have to tell you. That's really interesting. Um, that's actually really interesting. Uh, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an area that's fast developing and I am certainly hearing a lot more about this. So it's sort of moving into the experience, into the meaning. Um, everyone is driven by a motto or a, a particular social, even social good uh, or social meaning. Uh, so it's really, really interesting that you, you've picked up on this. Um, do you think this is realistic for corporations which have to deliver quarterly um, statements to the shareholders and, and have to sort of operate in, into the uh, shares type environment? 
I think that that uh, it's already happening. There are some organizations that uh, they are very successful in doing that. For the one that in the past they were very successful on performing the innovation of solutions, so they had their competences on the on the technology, on the specific product, on the attributes. They need to perform the type of transformation that I mentioned, which is not as easy as we can imagine, because this legacy. It has been setting the people mindset in a certain direction. And uh, myself first, when I'm discussing internally, I do realize that you need always to make the step back and trying to help people to think first of the why we're doing things. If you think on the why and, and what will bring actually that meaning to people, then you can start focusing on the how. Every time you set, you put a uh, problem in the middle of the table, it's very easy because we're driven to problem solution. It's very easy to jump on it, but it's always better to make a step back and say, okay, but why are we really doing that? If you think in this way, you will realize suddenly that it opens so many other point of view, so many other possibilities, and that's what it should be done. So today, I think in a moment of, of challenges and when all the organizations are under a heavy pressure to deliver numbers, this is the moment where we should invest in people, in helping them to mature this dynamic and flexible mindset that they start always with the why, instead of focusing on the cost cutting and say, you know what, then we should produce in a more effective and efficient way. Because when that meaning, as I say, is systematically transferred to the product, then the people will feel it and they will just love it. And then you will get the, the return of the investment is just a consequence of this way of working, of this innovation mindset. Indeed, thank you. Um, thank you so much for that. It's uh, very insightful. Uh, I, I wanna, I wanna ask you know if you can sort of look back um, at your twenty eighteen, sort of half of twenty seventeen, over the past twelve months. Um, what was your biggest lesson, and what are you planning on doing differently going forwards? Mm -hmm. So just to mention that at the beginning of 2017, in January actually, I started my, my new role in, uh, in the part of the organization that is pharma. So coming with a very strong background uh, where I had the chance to work across uh, several food businesses, I moved into the pharma world, a world where from the understanding on the molecules and the technology, I didn't have a strong background. So the role that I have in terms of bringing the mindset on helping the transformation of the organization, that was my mission. And this is where your question comes perfect in saying that from my point of view, innovation, it has always been about challenging the status quo and exploring their uncharted territories, right? And, and it comes natural and systematic only when we feel in a safe environment and with people we trust. What I did learn is that I truly love what I'm doing because it is so hard to keep your eyes on the vision, especially when everything around you is uncertain, uncertain because the market is uncertain, uncertain because the organization is shifting, right? And it's even harder when you are trying to push forward, when you have like the negativity or the resistance or rejection of businesses that they have been successful. So they are trying actually to defend their established success, right? So it's only this passion that is what brings me together with uh, all the other real innovators and that actually feel and feed the resilience that is about seeking new ways to overcome the, the hurdles and the obstacles that they come on the way of what we're trying to do, that is make that vision real. 
very exciting and i guess in in closing you know from your experience of having been in large corporations and from your experience and views on how innovation should uh, should be done sort of going forwards is there any advice that you can give to people in similar position to you mm -hmm. uh, i think that uh, i i will share definitely my experience that if you truly want to lead innovation then you can do it only if you're fully open to rechallenge all your assumptions and that bringing forward the company identity we should not forget if a company has a very strong identity you should not drop it but what you have to consider is that sometimes you are asked to rechallenge actually the company legacy which is not the same right so in order to make this job happen you must be committed to create that famous protected space that i mentioned before where the great people that uh, we call a team that we're working with, they can definitely develop an open, resilient, challenging, cooperative mindset. If you have been creating that space, then you can be sure that in that space, systematically, the team will provide iteration after iteration, all the new strategies that you need, all the product pipelines that you need, and all the R&D uh, roadmaps that they are supporting all the development. I have no doubt that there is no challenge that you can be overcome with the right team, but we truly need to create the right mindset and the right space to nurture this mindset and to work all together. So, so such inspirational uh, and Paolo, I, I am absolutely delighted to have had you um, on this show and I'm sure a lot of people will really appreciate hearing your views and thoughts about how things should be done obviously we look forward to meeting you in a few weeks time for the innovation hub and listening a bit more about the future of health and and food so uh, what can i say once again an absolutely massive thank you for the time and for your insights today i would like to thank you for having me in the show and to share basically my my experience and i'm truly looking forward to meeting you and all the people that may be listening to the podcast on the 17th and 18th of uh, October in London. Thank you again.